I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. It is encouraging for people to take the time and show the interest in Bible study, which needs to be our priority, learning and then living according to God's Word. Now, we are in the book of Titus in chapter 3. Last time, our study of Titus 2, 11 through 15, was centered in the grace of God. That was the subject, salvation by grace. And that means God gives us what we could never merit or purchase. He gives us salvation based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. We receive and keep that gift by the activity of our faith. And I stressed in that previous class that we are not earners, we are not purchasers, we are receivers of a gift. As we studied this, we came to the place where the recipient of grace shows outwardly that he or she is a recipient of grace. Verse 14 of chapter 2, a people who are zealous for good works. It might be said the receiver becomes a zealous worker. More about that in our study this time in chapter 3 of the book of Titus. Listen, please, verses 1 through 7 in Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Titus 3, 1 through 7. Two words begin our study. Remember, this is from God through Paul to Titus and eventually for us. The two words that begin the chapter remind them. If you have the NIV, remind the people. If you have the King James, put them in mind. Has this ever happened to you? You come into a class similar to this, or an auditorium for a class or a sermon, the teacher or preacher gets up and begins, and after a few sentences, you're saying to yourself, I've heard all this before. 
And often the next thing that happens is a mistake. You turn your hearing off and let your mind wander somewhere else. You open your phone and read or do something else because you're saying to yourself, I've heard this before. Or you may even think to yourself, why can't he come up with something novel, fresh, more interesting? I've already heard this stuff. All right, let's talk about all that. What we must all take well into account is God has charged teachers and preachers to remind us of things we've been previously taught. We need those reminders. It's a spiritual discipline. So don't resent it or turn it off, though you've heard it before. Rather, understand the value and discipline of repetition and review. And if you're hearing something you've never heard before, that may not be a good sign. It may be a sign you weren't listening before, and it may be a sign you're hearing something that is not in accord with sound doctrine. So Paul said to the evangelist Titus, remind them. In our case, here are teachings we've all heard before. I believe everyone in this video class, you've heard this before. This is not breaking new ground. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient and be ready for every good work. I believe we need to connect this to what we studied before about the grace of God and our response to his grace. Our response to God's grace should include being submissive to rulers and authorities, being obedient people who are ready for every good work, zealously ready for every good work. We are people who are recipients of the generosity of God. And then you look at this in the first part of chapter 3, and it constitutes what might be called good citizenship. This is peacefully living with others in your community. And this is a willingness to do whatever good you are able to do. It should be an outcome in the lives of people who've been saved by grace, that we are good, obedient citizens who show we have been trained in righteousness and we need reminders and we have been good recipients of those reminders of sound doctrine. Likewise, people saved by grace and trained in righteousness will refrain from speaking evil and quarreling. To speak evil needs some clarity. When I speak something negative about you or to you without any evidence and without any specific spiritual purpose, that's immature. That's evil speaking. When I simply insult you because I'm upset, I'm speaking evil. Consider the converse of this, the opposite. Colossians 4 and verse 6, Paul said, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, 
that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's interesting. Grace comes up again. As a recipient of grace from God, I should be a giver of grace to others in my speech. Paul said to remind the brethren to avoid quarreling. There is such a thing as good, healthy discussions of important issues, but not quarreling. There are necessary debates of our understanding of Bible teaching conducted with honorable methods and fairness and love. That's not quarreling. There are very sensitive discussions we must have with people about their relationship with God and their conduct. Again, when conducted with maturity and righteousness, that's not quarreling. But when we, as if we were a bunch of kids on the playground again, when we fuss and clamor to have our way, when we manipulate and campaign and tear people down and generally cause an uproar for our cause, for us, for me, that's what Paul says Christians must avoid. It is not gracious. What is gracious is be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. People who have been saved by God's grace act this way and speak this way. People who've been trained in righteousness are people of humility and courtesy and fairness. It shows up in how we deal with people and events. Titus 3, 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. All right, now back to being reminded. We need to remember how lost we were before obeying the gospel, how guilty of sin we were. Titus 3 and verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. What can happen is we receive the gift of salvation from God. Then we begin to live as we ought to live as grateful recipients of his grace. But at some point in our progress, we may become so proud of ourselves, we forget how we used to be, how we used to live. And we forget perhaps who took us out of sin and at what cost. I think that's probably pretty common. To forget how bad it was before God saved you. And to begin to become self-righteous and proud, Paul wants Titus and all evangelists to remind us of the sin we were once enslaved to and how it was God in his grace that reached us and saved us. 
Listen to verses three through seven. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I'll go back and comment on some of the details of this, but let's make sure we get the main idea. People who were saved by grace and who begin to live right may forget where they used to be and how they got out of that previous sin and at what cost. The message here is don't get so boastful that you forget what you once did, how you once lived, and that it was God by his grace through the death of Christ that got you out of that sin when you obeyed the gospel. Don't forget that. Now in verse 3, the idea is not that every Christian once was guilty of every sin here, but before obeying the gospel, we were foolish and disobedient. We were serving something other than God, and we were not passing our days by glorifying God. Some of this in verse 3 may have more direct application to lifestyles among the Cretans. But the point is, don't forget where you came from and how God saved you by his grace. God's grace that appeared with the coming of Christ is what made the difference in your life. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Uh, remember what we studied last time. We cannot earn or purchase salvation. And then boast about the fact that we earned it, we bought it. We have sinned. And that's the idea in verse 5. Christians cannot, with any integrity or sincerity, claim that they did it. God did it, and we just received it when we obeyed the gospel. You with me? I am convinced the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit is a phrase that identifies our response to the gospel, including baptism. All of that through Jesus Christ. We are saved, redeemed, renewed by the Holy Spirit when we are washed. And I don't see how we can be washed before or without baptism. Here's a good rule to follow. When you find some phrase in the epistles about conversion, go back to the book of Acts and connect it. So if you find repentance and baptism in the book of Acts, in those cases of conversion, 
understand these phrases in the epistles according to those clear actions people took who responded to the gospel in the book of Acts. So the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit is about one's response to the gospel, which includes baptism. And in baptism, we are, remember, receiving what God offers by his grace, which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Here is God's grace again. The keynote of this section, and because of our reception of what God offers by his grace, we can become heirs. Stop there. Heirs. That word is identifying a recipient, not an earner or purchaser, but a recipient by virtue of family relationship. Family we entered when we obeyed the gospel. We are accepted into God's family by grace. And as we stay in the family, we are heirs and we have this hope. I'll be back in a moment for some wrap-ups. All right, let me wrap up our study with these final observations. Human beings need reminders. I tell you, as you get older, you need a lot of reminders. Christians are human beings. Therefore, we need reminders to refresh our conviction, to renew our gratitude, to bring into the mind what may have been lost. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, it's good to be reminded. Listen to that, please. Back in the book of Philippians, in chapter 3, Paul said, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. He said this, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. There is safety in reminders. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, listen to this, 2 Peter 1, 12. Therefore, Peter said, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. We need reminders. And by the way, while I'm in Peter, I'm going to go to 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. See if uh, you discover how this connects to something we studied. 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 through 17. Be subject to the Lord's... Be, uh, let me start that over again. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. You see what happened? I needed to back up. I needed a reminder. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, 
not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We obey civil government unless they ask us to sin. We obey civil government for the Lord's sake. And then I'm going to say to us, and I'm also in 1 Peter. I'm in 1 Peter chapter 2, down at verse 25. Don't forget who you were compared to who you are now. For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Then I want to remind us that good works require zeal, Titus 2.14, and preparation, Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. Thank you for being with us in this study.